God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. I'm Pastor Murphy. We here, the members and friends of the Great Little Zion Baptist Church, welcome you to our worship experience and pray that as you view this moment, your soul will be encouraged, your faith will be built, and you will leave this moment encouraged and empowered and ready to run on to see what God has in store for you. Be blessed as the music uplifts you and the word empowers you in Jesus' name. Welcome to our worship experience.
Good morning, family, friends, and guests. Here are our weekly announcements. Please make sure to join us for our weekly prayer meeting at 6 p.m. in our virtual adult Bible study on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We will also like to invite you to our youth and our young adult Bible studies. Our youth Bible study will be at 6 p.m. on Wednesday and at 7 p.m. for our young adult Bible study. Our youth and young adult Sunday school is, will, will be on Saturday at 10 a.m. and our adult Sunday school will be on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. We thank you so much for joining us this morning for our morning announcements and pray that you have a blessed wonderful rest of your Sunday.
wonderful. He's so merciful. See, he looks out for me. Even though I'm not all I should be. And what makes him so very special is the fact that he gave his very life for me. What more? What more? Can I say? I'm satisfied. I'm so satisfied. Yes, I am. I'm so satisfied. That anything, anything that this world could ever offer me. How many of y'all satisfied yes. with the Lord? Yes. Just where you at right now? Let's take it up a notch. I'm satisfied. I am I'm so satisfied. So satisfied. Satisfied. Brothers and sisters, family and friends of the Greater Zion Baptist Church, thank you with great gratitude for joining us this morning in our time of worship. Get your Bibles, and I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Genesis, chapter 40, and we're only going to deal with one verse, although we'll have the whole chapter in mind as we're going through, but we're going to centralize our focus on verse 23 of Genesis, chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40, verse 23. And here's what it says. Yet the chief cup bearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Yet the chief cup bearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Our subject this morning is when God speaks through you, when God speaks through you. Although his mother Rachel had passed from his earthly presence, as I contended on last Sunday, and last Sunday was Mother's Day, it was that in which Joseph still witnessed the presence of his mother through what I suggested, both the hands and the eyes of God. <clears throat> the constant reference 
of the phrase in the text, the Lord was with Joseph and made his way prosperous, suggested that Joseph could have laid claim in a very contemporary way to that hymn to which we sing so dear in our own hearts, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Fast forward, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That could have been the posture of Joseph as he celebrates the impartation and his mother directly through the eyes of God. But Joseph is the walking testimony of what some has described as an uncommon favored individual. It's uncommon because he's an exception to the rule. That's what uncommon favor means, being an exception to the rule. You're not in the realm of normality. Uncommon favor managed to move Joseph from the pit to the palace to the prison and eventually it's going to move him to becoming the prime minister. This uncommon favor managed to turn his tragedies into triumphs. It seems without and within, should I say, a moment's experience, just quickly, it had shifted Joseph from being in a state of tragedy to being in a state of triumphant. It appears that Joseph seems to teach us some suggestive ideas regarding this uncommon favor. Here it is, number one, uncommon favor is when God causes someone to desire to become a problem solver in your life. And when you read the Joseph narrative, that's really what happens. God gives him uncommon favor by using two other persons particularly to solve a problem in his life. When he is a slave, it's Potiphar who rescues Joseph from being a slave and then transition him to being in a favored position in his house. But then as we explore chapter 39, there's a chief jailer who seems to solve the problem of Joseph. And that problem, I would suggest, may be, while in this prison, I need to motivate and work myself where I stay focused on the dream that God had given me. And so God uses the chief jailer to recognize the abilities and the work ethic of Joseph. And in return, he causes Joseph to experience uncommon favor. Secondly, uncommon favor must begin as a seed from you before it can return as a harvest to you. In essence, it's the fruition of Galatians 6 and 7 in the King James language be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. 
Joseph sold by way of his labor. In Potiphar's house, as well as in the jail, you can see that Joseph was a worker and both Potiphar and the chief jailer saw that this man has an incredible work ethic. And because he sold by way of labor, he ends up reaping by way of a reward. Third, uncommon favor can make you become a household name in a day. When you read the Joseph narrative, it seems like God transitions Joseph in the day, although that doesn't happen, but it seems as such. But I'm reminded of the book of Esther, chapter 2, when the king chooses Esther to be his queen and he takes a nobody in one day and changes her life to become a somebody, all in a single day. And God can do that by causing someone to recognize who you are and as a result, transition your whole life in one day. And then number four, uncommon favor seems to always begin when you solve an uncommon problem for someone else. Because that's what Genesis chapter 40 is all about. Joseph is stepping to the forefront to solve an uncommon problem for two individuals, a chief cupbearer and a chief baker. Both of them, when you read Genesis chapter 40, have an issue. And their issue is they had a dream one night. Now, dreams were important to Egyptians because it was their convictions that when you dream, you actually enter into another world. And that world can convey to you what's going to transpire in the world to which you've just come out of. And so those dreams troubled the baker and the chief cupbearer. It brought tremendous pressure and concern in their lives. And yet, when you read verse 23, of chapter 40, there's a high suggestion that it doesn't seem like Joseph has any favor in his life at all, at least from the one individual who had an uncommon problem that needed to be solved. Now, it's called an uncommon problem because both the chief cupbearer and the chief baker says in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 40, that they did something. Now, what that something is, we do not know. But they did something to anger Pharaoh, who in return does not have them killed, but instead has them incarcerated in the jail. He at least either felt enough to probe more to see what they had done wrong. Was it deliberate? Did he get his signals wrong? Or perhaps he wanted to know why would these individuals who are serving in two critical political jobs in the household of Pharaoh, the chief baker bakes all of the food, the breads at least, and the chief cupbearer tests all of the food and particularly 
the wines. Why would they risk not only their livelihood, but their life to cross the king? And yet, the Bible says they did something, and in return, they end up being relegated to the prison. Watch this. Here is Joseph's favor again. In the same prison ward as Joseph is. That's what the text says. Text says in verse 3 of chapter 40 that he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. You got to look at this and say, as I did, have we not labored with the hope that one would do for us as we have done for them? I mean, it's said that you give because you can meet the need, but would it not be fair to say I also give so that in case one day I am the one who ends up being the recipient instead of the giver or the one in need instead of the giver, somebody would do the same for me as I have done for them. In other words, I don't want to be forgotten I want to be remembered. And I want to think that Joseph probably felt some kind of way knowing that the chief cupbearer didn't remember him, but instead forgot him. Perhaps this is why our parents along the way have admonished us to give without expecting anything in return because you very well may experience the lesson of being disappointed when someone doesn't give back or they don't remember you as you have remembered them. But the law of recognition highly contends that I should never give, I should never plant, I should never sow without expecting something in return. And I think when you read verse 14 of Genesis chapter 40, you really hear Joseph pushing that particular law. Listen to what he says. By the way, he interprets both dreams. He tells the cupbearer, the three, remember the cup, listen to what the text says. The cupbearer says to him that I had a dream. And the dream is that there was a vine in front of me and on that vine there were three branches and on those branches were clusters of, drape, of grapes. And Joseph said, here's the interpretation. Those three branches mean that in three days Pharaoh is going to restore you back to your previous position. The cupbearer said also, by the way, when I saw those clusters, I reached because I had Pharaoh's cup in my hand and I squeezed those grapes. And when I squeezed those grapes, I was able to give the substance to Pharaoh. Joseph says, yep, he's going to restore you in three days. And when the baker looked at and heard the way Joseph interpreted the cupbearer's dream, he began to tell his. He says, listen, there were three baskets on my head and they were full of bread and there were birds picking at them. 
And Joseph said, here's the interpretation. In three days, Pharaoh is going to lift you up, but you won't be the baker again. He's going to lift you up on a pole. He's going to take your life, and those birds are going to pick your flesh. You got to figure that Joseph says at least to the cupbearer, listen, I gave you the interpretation. In fact, look at verse 14. Keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this place. Listen to what he says. I, I have an expectation that since I've done something for you, please remember that when you get to the fulfillment of your dream, do something for me as well. I mention that point because favor has been defined as an equivalent to God's grace, giving us the ability to do something which is humanly impossible for us to do. I have no disagreement with that. In fact, when you tell people about their experience with God and they tell you in return, about their experience with God. Remember, we look at certain experiences and we say, oh, when they ask, how did you make it? And you say, only God. You're talking about grace. They said, how did you get through? You would say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side. You say, not only, only God, but it was God who gave me the strength to get through that thing. It was God who kept my mind. It was God who held my mind in check, who made sure that I never went astray. It was God, and I can see some of you now starting to shout because you remember how those gracious moments took place in your own life where you have to testify, only God can get you through this thing. And that's the grace that you're looking for. That's the grace that Joseph is even looking for in this moment in which he helps the chief cupbearer be restored in his life according to the dream. Like Joseph, you and I need grace. We need favor to handle these difficult paths we have to encounter on the regular. But I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that Joseph did not permit his incarceration to paralyze him from being productive. Get that in your mind. He did not permit being in jail to paralyze him from being productive. We often don't look for the opportunities in prison, but you might be amazed that God takes those mundane situations and those mundane experiences and those mundane tasks to check, to test us, to see that we might discover if we are ready for a promotion. And here it is. And even in the midst of that prison moment, will we continue to operate in our giftedness? See, that's what Joseph did. He didn't allow his prison to stop him. He kept on working in his giftedness because what is his gift? The interpretation of dreams. And what does he do? He doesn't go in a corner and pout. 
He doesn't throw his gift to the curb and decide he's not going to use it. He doesn't vehemently proclaim to God that you have denied and you have not fulfilled your promise. Instead, he keeps operating in the dream, keeps operating in his giftedness. And that's what God, I want to say, is challenging you right now in that space to which you are in, which might feel like an incarceration, will you still do what you've been anointed to do? Will you still praise? Will you still sing? Will you still read? Will you still pray? Will you still have expectation of God? And God says, I want to know, will you still do the work that I've assigned to your hands? Joseph did. He refused to permit complacency to hypnotize him into just thinking that he knew exactly when God would bring about a change. No, instead, he kept on working and he kept on preparing because nothing could have better prepared him of what he experienced in verses one through five than to be in that jail and to have to keep laboring the way that he did. So what did God do? God used this incarcerating moment, that's what he did, to expand Joseph's giftedness in interpreting the dream. Now the question very well might be, it's a simple chapter. There's not a whole lot to explore here. It's very simple. God has Joseph where he needs to be at the moment. And I'm convinced that God was a part of making sure that this is where Joseph ends up. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because when you read the story, particularly as you close out chapter 39, isn't it something how out of a false situation, Potiphar's wife's false accusation, God turns it around and even in the space to which Joseph is occupying where he did not want to be, that's the reason why he called it a dungeon. Listen to what he says in verse 15. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews and even here, even here, right now I've done nothing that they should have put me into this dungeon. And yet Joseph said, I'm here. And God says, you're there, and I'm going to use you. And he sends of all things in those two individual lives, he sends two persons with a dream. And the dreamers needed interpretation. Now, they could have had other problems. Could have had marital problems if they were married. They could have had personal problems but they had dream problems, interpretations. And they send Joseph because Joseph is the one who's gifted with interpretation. The Bible says that they had dreamed that night and then the next morning when Joseph came in, he noticed that their faces were long and they looked displeased and Joseph asked in very contemporary language, what's wrong with y'all? Why your face is so long? And then they begin to explain, we had dreams. And we don't have anyone 
to interpret them. I want to punch something in here. Punch it in here because I want to make sure you get this. There are some critical lessons to be learned in this Joseph story. And that is that God speaks through you oftentimes to speak to others. Yeah, I, I know God could very well speak directly to people. There's no question about that. But God uses you and I to speak to others because of the giftedness and the sway to which he's given us the ability to convey what needs to be conveyed to them and their receptiveness of what is being said is highly likely to be embraced. Genesis 40 highlights Joseph's incarceration speaking to two individuals. Remember, you and I are just vessels and we're vessels because once they find out, here's a point I want to make, talk about punching. When you're a vessel of God, you've got to remember that when sometimes you're used to convey information, the person who's receiving it will receive it, but they may not remember you in the long run. See, that's what happens to Joseph, verse 23. Joseph interpreting the dream and told the cupbearer and the baker exactly what was going to happen. And if you read verse 20, it made it clear that it came to pass and it happens to come to pass on Pharaoh's birthday. But the point is, when you are a vessel of God, don't be surprised if God uses you to minister to someone and they don't remember you, or better said, they don't say thank you. They forget all about you. How do I know that? Well, again, God just wants to use you with the point. Remember, God spoke through Jephro get to Moses. Remember Moses had a problem with leadership and Jephro told him, you're going to burn yourself out if you don't learn to use the persons around you. That's God speaking through Jephro. Remember God spoke through Nathan to let David know that uh-uh, I saw what happened between you and Bathsheba and I want you to know you're going to pay a price for it. That's God speaking to David through Nathan. Remember, God speaks through dreams to Paul when Paul was in Corinth and there was an uproar in Corinth and they were trying to injure Paul. And listen to what God says to Paul in a dream to encourage him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent for I am with you and no one will harm you because says God in Acts 18, I've got people in this city. That's God speaking through a dream to convey a word to Paul. God very well may be speaking through you to someone else, but don't be alarmed if they don't remember you and forget all about you. 
in your current situation. Because here's the glory of Joseph's journey. It doesn't happen or it's not conveyed in chapter 40, but you can't help but to go back to chapter 39. But the Lord was with Joseph. And God remembers me. And if God remembers me, I've got to trust that God is going to send the right person in the right situation in time and on time. Second lesson I think the text teaches us is this. Listen, God speaks not just to you, but God speaks through you to confirm the word that he shared with you. With Joseph, it was dreams. With you and I, it very well could be a dream also, but I want to suggest it's probably going to be more of the word and that dream is going to be predicated upon the word. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect. Here's the shouting point. Restoring the soul. Putting that soul back together because it has been frustrated by the fact that someone in whom I've tried to help has forgotten me. And God comes alongside to reassure you. They may have forgotten you, but I have not. The law, the word of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. But here it is. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, one thing Joseph had to do while he was in prison was to make sure that not only that promise that God had given him earlier in chapter 37 in reference to dreams, not only that promise is anchored in his soul, but he had to constantly, I believe, regurgitate that promise with expectation that even when it doesn't look like God is working it out, I got to believe that if I hold on one more day, if I hold on for one more hour, if I hold on for one more experience, God is going to bring it to pass because he's speaking through me to speak to others. He's speaking to me to confirm his word. And third, God speaks through us as well to increase our focus. You got to stay focused when you're in a jail situation. You got to stay focused because it's only a temporary moment. It's passing. Verse 23 of chapter 40 of Genesis is a passing moment. The cupbearer did not remember Joseph, forgot all about him. It's a passing moment. But Joseph has to know without question that God didn't 
forget him. And so maybe I want to encourage you to hold on to the fact that wherever you are, God not only does not forget you, but God certainly highly encourages you to hold on to the promise that God has given. And I want to give you a passage that I think will revolutionize your focus because you got to stay focused on the promise that God has given. Listen to Isaiah chapter 55, beginning in verse 10. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what the prophet says. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth. So in other words, the rain and the snow has an assignment. <laughs> and its assignment is to do the will of God, which is to water the earth. The word of God has an assignment. And its assignment is to go into your life and do what God has commissioned it to do. Listen to the text. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout, which means that wherever it hits, it's going to bring forth life and furnishing seeds to the sower and bread to the eater. Listen to that now. Isaiah is using an agricultural moment. He knows that people will understand that you got to have the rain in the expectation that the rain will bless the seed and in bringing up the seed, I'm going to eat in the plenty. So God is saying, stay focused on what's going to happen to your planted seed. Now here's the shouting point. Listen to verse 11. <clears throat> So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Some translation says void. Another translation say it will not return under insufficient funding. That means that when God sends it forth, it's going to accomplish it word. So shall's my word be which goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return empty without accomplishing. Keep that word in mind. I'm going to tell you something about that word here in a minute. Accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. But you got to stay focused. Even in the jail. Joseph stayed focused on doing the work of God. How do I know that? It's clear in the text. It's clear in the text. God is speaking to Joseph. God is also speaking to us. Isaiah 55.10, God says his word is coming out. When it's spoken, it's intended to impregnate us and to become a, a compass so that we can focus on the promise. Now here, Jeremiah 1.12, here's another word. God promises to watch over his word, to perform his word, and to accomplish his word. Listen here, Jeremiah 1 and 12, listen to what the word of God says. Then the Lord said to me, Jeremiah, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word 
to perform it. Now the word in Isaiah 55, 11, the word accomplish and the word perform here in Jeremiah 1, 12, they come from the same Hebrew root, asah. And the word simply means to create, to labor, to toil, to make happen, to spring forth. God will make his word come to pass so long as you focus on the promise of God. Let me close by giving you what I think to be the critical analysis of the text. God is also speaking for Joseph. He's doing that by confirming the decisions that Joseph has made in regard to God. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, let's go back to chapter 39 and look closely, beginning in verse 21. Here's how you know that God is confirming that Joseph has made good decisions in relation to his relationship with God. This is what he says. But the Lord was with Joseph, and watch the verbiage, extended to him kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatsoever was done there, Joseph was responsible for it. See, Joseph's decision was to keep working, keep laboring, keep trusting, keep believing, stay focused, and God will reward. And what's God doing? Confirming that Joseph made the right decision. How do you know that? Let's go to chapter 40. And look at how God blesses in verse 4. The captain of the body God put Joseph in charge of them. The chief cupbearer and the baker and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time which meant it wasn't an overnight deal and what was God doing he was confirming for Joseph that the way that you work you're rewarded see the jailer recognized him watch this Joseph kept witnessing Remember what Joseph says after the two dreamers share their dream? Look at what he says in verse 8. Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me. In essence, Joseph says, I'm making sure that God remains the critical focus. It's all about God, says Joseph. God is the one who will interpret the dream. God is the one who will interpret your life. And as a result, Joseph kept winning. Go back to chapter 39 and look at what the Bible says in verse 23. That the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. Here it is. Because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. And what I'm trying to tell you is this. When God is speaking through you, you stay focused on the thing that God has assigned you to do. 
And as it says in Psalm 1, whatever you touch, as it says here in Genesis 39 and 40, you will prosper. God will bring it to prosperity. But here it is, Joseph keeps winning. God spoke for Joseph by confirmation. God is speaking to Joseph by confirming that his gift is not a hoax, but he's indeed a dreamer. He's an interpreter of the dreamer as well. Verses 12 through 13, he interprets the dream for the chief cupbearer. And then in verses 18 through 19 for the baker. The cupbearer is restored. The baker, unfortunately, is terminated. But both men experience the giftedness of Joseph. Don't ever abandon your gift because you're not getting the recognition that you thought you desired. And then finally, God is speaking through Joseph to confirm his prophecy. See, look at verse 20. The key phrase, depending what translation you read, is thus it came about. That's a single word in the Hebrew that means it happened. It came to pass. It says, verse 20, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the cupbearer. He put the cup into Pharaoh's hands, put him back in his office, in his former job, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted it. See, when you do your job, when you stay faithful to God, when you stay faithful to the assignment and you follow through, it becomes God's responsibility to fix that thing for you and God will do it. Here's a word. Here's a word and then I'm done. In Proverbs chapter 4, and I'm pushing you to understand the importance of staying focused because that's how you get your healing. That's how you get your deliverance. That's how you get out of jail. And here's what something the text says. In Joshua 1.8, God admonishes Joshua, whatever you do, meditate on the word day and night. Stay focused. Don't go to the left nor go to the right. But if you do that, your way will be prosperous. In fact, he tells Joseph, when you follow in obedience and stay focused on me, wherever you put your foot, it'll be yours. It'll be a prosperous space. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Listen to what it says. Here, my son, attend to my words, incline, that means bend your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, which means don't permit yourself not to see the manifestation of the word coming to pass, but keep them in the space of your heart. In other words, once again, keep the word filled in your life, but here's what I really want to tell you, for they are Zoe. They are life, that's the word, Zoe is the Greek for life. They are Zoe, God-empowered life to those who find them, the word. 
It's health to their bones as well. Joseph focused on the promise that enabled him to get through whatever context he was in. And the same holds true for you and I as God commissions to speak through us if we trust him even though others forget us he promised through Jesus never to leave us nor forsake us and I'm here to tell you this morning it may seem like you've been abandoned but you've got to trust that the Lord is there with you in that space and will provide all that you need to handle whatever your challenge is. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit and the word. And my prayer today is that someone would be able to stand and move in the space of their incarceration. They're, in fact, they're coming out. They're going to believe and focus on the word that victory is beginning to come to pass in their life. You're working all things together for the good. May they never abandon the gift to which you've called them to use and may they remember that they are your mouthpiece, your vessel that you use to speak through, to speak in and you will also speak about us to confirm the anointing you placed on our lives. Somebody today, Lord, I pray will begin a new walk with you and their life will never be the same from this day forward, but instead it will only go up as they encounter the glory of the kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen. Oh, it's my joy that today somebody's name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Today you've made a decision to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. Today you've also made a decision as a believer to start your life over again, no matter where you are and to trust that God will bring about victory. I'm going to celebrate that that is going to come to pass. I pray that you will do so in your own life as well. At the end of this program, there are various manners in which you can get in touch with us, whether by social media or even by church phone. Please let us know how God's blessing. We'd love to have you as a part of our church. If you're not a member of a church, we'd love to have you here as a member of the Great Luzon Baptist Church, we would love to have you in this family and we would love to be your family that you might grow in the kingdom work as well. Well, get your hearts and minds prepared as we get ourselves ready to go and to break bread before the Lord's table. But I certainly want you to know this. Never forget that God loves you and so do I. Have a blessed, wonderful fantastic week in the Lord in Jesus name
share in this sacred moment in the church tradition as we gather around the communion table, the Lord's table, to share in what we describe as the Lord's Supper. On that Thursday evening in which our Lord gathered together with his disciples in that upper room, they gathered around that table, and Jesus, the Bible says, he took bread, and he looked unto heaven and gave thanks for it. And then he began to pass it to his disciples, and they ate together. As they did eat together, let us eat together. He likewise took the cup, says the Bible, blessed it and looked unto heaven and gave thanks for it. And then he gave it to his disciples as they did drink together. Let us drink together. And as they had concluded that act of communion, they left and went to the Mount of Olives singing hymns, rejoicing that they've had a chance to break bread with their Lord. I encourage you, to leave this moment with a heart of thanksgiving, celebrating that God has enabled us to break bread together in this virtual moment, and we receive this moment with thanksgiving. Be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and thank you once again for being a part of this blessed experience. In Jesus' name, amen.